robbery week, so it's going to be a lot of hooting and hollering going on this week. What's the Louisville game mean to a guy who's not? Say what? What's the Louisville Ooh. game mean to a guy? Ooh. That other team from the West? <laughs> better. What's it, what's it mean to a guy who's not from here? And how have you learned to embrace that rivalry? It's a robbery. It's like Steelers and the Browns. Uh, Got to embrace it. That, of course, is Lynn Bowden starting hate week off the completely wrong way. Welcome into the Big Red Louie podcast. Your co-host, Jacob Lane, alongside Presley Meyer. We're here on a beautiful, cold, and windy Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning edition sounds like a weird thing to say, but here we are. Yep. We were, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Day before Thanksgiving. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Look at us. <laughs> Just look at us. Speaking of which, we'll get into a little bit of... of situations where that's an applicable thing to say but how about that sound from Lynn Bowden just the, the the pure like sarcasm and just he thinks he's so cool saying who who okay yeah that's better my favorite part is, is the lack of self-awareness with the Steelers and the Browns like literally less than 12 hours after he said that he's that they were the Steelers the Steelers got killed by the Browns exactly there's so many things <laughs> wrong with that clip that just make you laugh and say well what would you expect from Kentucky you, nothing less but we'll get into that a little bit more we've got a lot to discuss today obviously with it being hate week and Louisville going head-to-head with Kentucky this weekend in the battle of the governor's cup down in Lexington with a eight wins on the line something I don't think any one of us ever thought we'd say in year one uh, Kentucky with seven wins on the line, hoping to finish strong after, you know, kind of having some struggles there early in the part of SEC football. We're also going to talk Louisville basketball and the new number one team, assuming they beat Western Kentucky on uh, Friday on Facebook. And I'm going to continue to say on Facebook. Are we going to have to re- about. Are we gonna have to re-podcast if Louisville loses? I, I, it'll be an emergency podcast because if you lose to Western Kentucky, which of course we're going to get into this a little bit, it means you probably learned nothing from Akron. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't just a, a one-time oh crap they you know they spooked us a little bit but all right we're good if you lose to Western Kentucky and you don't get to step into that number one team, um, you didn't learn anything. No, you're not you're not better and you know you deserve to lose. So we'll get into that a little bit. Obviously, Louisville's gonna have to win a basketball game before they can claim that title right uh and then have to turn around and go up against a really good undefeated team that you know just a few days later so there's a lot to talk about as far as a curse being number one and whether that's a thing but let's start with hate week because actually i'm sorry let's start with duke and Stephen f austin let's talk about that game from last night and the implications that it has on louisville basketball duke falls to somebody pointed out on twitter they're not even a mid-major they're a low major program lose to Stephen f austin a team that lost uh, last week i think by like 15 points to Rutgers. Uh, who is perennially one of the worst uh, Power 5 basketball programs in the country. They turn around and they beat Duke, who is ranked number one uh, in a game that you know went down to the wire. And I, to be you know completely transparent, I uh, when I was told that game was going into overtime because I didn't get to actually watch it, which we can talk about a little bit, me going to watch a Division three college basketball game instead. Yep. Um, but I, when they went into overtime, I said, there's no way. The, the smaller team in this scenario always has that moment where, oh, crap, it's Duke and we're winning. Like It's, right. it's the classic Tiger Woods. If you remember back in the day when, when Tiger would be down by you know X amount of strokes and then all of a sudden he got hot, whoever, whatever random golfer was in first place turned around and, and kind of choked because they knew Tiger Woods was coming. Mm-hmm. So you would expect the Duke, a Kansas, a Kentucky, and Arizona, a Louisville even, to go into that overtime fully – expected to dominate and they didn't they didn't score any points for the first several minutes of overtime right well so i don't want to blow it out of proportion like Stephen f austin is like is like center right. because um you know good little tie back there but i so Stephen f austin i don't know if you remember they were in the tournament last year they 
Um, they did make the tournament surprisingly they, last year. They took Texas Tech to the wire in the tournament last year, mm-hmm. eventually national national runner up. And then in 2016, they actually upset West Virginia as a number 14 seed. I don't know if you remember that. And yes, then they yeah. took. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. There was a they played so they played West Virginia as, as a three seed, and they played a six seed, and they took that six seed to the final seconds and lost by one. Yeah, and their head coach, if I'm not mistaken, a few years ago was Brad Underwood, who is now right. the, the head coach at Illinois. Right. Parlayed that upset of West Virginia as a 14 seed, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. They were really good that year, like really good. Yes. Surprised they didn't go further. Shockingly, that that was the – if there's like a lock three seed to win in that tournament that year, it the was 14, West Virginia. Mean, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And they got the 14 seed, which mm-hmm. felt low at the time. Um, considering that they were one of the best mid-major right, programs they were in the country, in, there's always that one program every year who's you know, they're you're, they're talking about them being potentially an eight and a nine seed, a ten seed, eleven seed, and then they just draw like a fifteen or something. Yeah, and you're and it's like well, then, clearly they don't value you know mid-majors playing well and winning right. a lot of games, even though it's against you know a lot of times really bad opponents. Right. But anyways, you're exactly right. You don't want to blow it out of proportion uh, because so what. Kentucky lost to Evansville a few weeks ago. Yeah, the kickback the next couple of days sucks, and it's going to be embarrassing for Duke. But they're going to go on. They're going to win, you know, twenty plus games, and everybody's going to forget about this. Um, and Duke has lost worse. I mean, mm-hmm. it, this game had no no meaning to it. Obviously, being an early season right. game, it, it doesn't all the time good. as a number two seed in the right. tournament. So. Exactly, that's what I was yeah. going to say. I mean, uh, I can think of uh, Norfolk State. They lost uh, to Mercer to Lehigh with CJ McCollum. Like they've they've lost several t- several games in the first round of NCAA tournaments. That the who's who of nobody. Teams. Exactly right. So this is not <laughs> a this is not an out of the norm thing. But it now paves the way for Louisville to step into the number one spot. And to be honest with you, I am very nervous about that. Yeah, I mean, and it's the worst time for them to step into the number one spot because they're coming off of a bunch of games where they just played just okay against... Okay, they're coming off two games where they played just okay against below-average opponents, and now they're going to play some opponents that are actually decent or have some pretty good players, um, You know, starting with Western Kentucky. Uh, but then next week, they have Michigan, and if I'm not mistaken, they finished the week with Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. So yeah. No, 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 no. So they just have Michigan next week, and then the following, and then the week, following week they have Texas Tech. Tech. No, Te- it's Texas Tech. Oh wow. Okay. I so believe, Tech or maybe before. it is. Maybe it is Michigan, and then Pittsburgh. I honestly, you may be right on that. We should do our research on that. But regardless, regardless, yeah, they Michigan, play. Texas Tech, Pittsburgh, in some form of fashion, form or fashion, some some order, um, and those are going to be three of the toughest teams on their schedule, period. Yeah, you are right. They have Pittsburgh on the 6th, which I believe is next Friday. Right. So, so they go Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday. So they've got mm-hmm. a lot of games, some travel to New York in there. Uh, so that has, you know, the likelihood of losing the number one spot all over it. But Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't see them losing to Michigan. I don't think Michigan's quite there yet, uh, especially with the implications of the night. And we'll get into the whole Luke Hancock banner situation, but... Yeah, because I've got I think, some thoughts on that. But I think I think Texas Tech is a great team. Uh, I think that they're right there in the Final Four conversation once again. Um, and then obviously Pittsburgh's a team they lost to last year. Um, Pitt already has some good wins under their belt this year, um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, definitely will be. But uh, you know what? If they're number one and they lose, so so be it. You know, like I I think that that's just kind of part of the trials and tribulations of a season. Like yeah, UK fans are going to give you crap, but do you really want to go into that game undefeated as the number one team? I mean, no, not not exactly because I think that that probably doesn't have a good omen for Louisville winning that game, and then of course that just gives Kentucky fans even more ammo. But mm-hmm. 
you know, at the same time, who knows what kind of motivating factor? Chris Mack has always been touted as being a, a master motivator of his mm-hmm. team. Who, you know, I, I don't know um, how you do with the number one. You know, I don't think he's ever been on a, a coach's ranked team, a number one ranked team. Maybe he has. I don't. I don't. I think he has actually. I think Xavier has been ranked number one. Were they the overall number one? They were the, the year they got beat by Florida State in yep. the second round of the yep. tournament. Again, um, see, there's there's a perfect example of a crazy bad draw. Yeah. How do you exactly. get number? How do you how do you get the number one overall seed and then you get Florida State as a nine seed in the second round? Right. Perennially, perennially great team. In Wichita the State was the same way. If you remember several years ago when they mm-hmm. went undefeated, oh, and they had to, play, they, Kentucky. They had to play Kentucky in the second yeah. round on you know on the way to Kentucky winning it all. Um, but you know, overall, back to the conversation with mm-hmm. being number one, I, I think that it's it's really meaningless right now, and I think that it can probably do more harm than it can good. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it you know in turn can do more good down the stretch, which is something that I've been kind of you know pondering and, and really watching this team as they they grow in year two of Chris Mack. Because last year, I think you know you heard Mack talk about Darius Perry, and I would imagine there was a couple of other players that were like this, maybe VJ King, but. They, they hit a wall at some point, and I don't want to say they didn't trust Coach Mack, obviously, because I think they did, but it, the way that they responded to his coaching and, and things like that just kind of soured, it seemed like, down the stretch. Like, they just weren't responding to what he was putting out. And, you know, when you have your soul taken against Duke in a game that you, you're going to beat the number one team, one of the best teams of the decade, I, that's understandable. Um, and so I, I want to see this year if when, when bad things happen, if they can bounce back. So Akron is not a bad thing by any means, no. but can they bounce back and can they take care of Western? Who's really good, but Western goes eight deep and they're they're They have one guy, uh, two or three guys, I should say, who maybe could play for Louisville. I think most of them would play in a lesser role, but mm-hmm. they've got one really, really good NBA player in Charles Bassey, which we'll talk about a little bit. And they've right. got some really good guards and a couple of other decent college players. But when they play historically, the last several seasons when they've played against really good teams, they've not played well, and I and I think that's going to be something to kind of keep in mind with Louisville coming in with a let's just destroy everyone in front of us. Like, what are we doing? You know, we can't take mm-hmm. anyone for granted anymore. But let let's jump back into football because I think that uh, it, it's really interesting that now that the the week of Louisville Kentucky football game is here, there's been a lot of talk about you know obviously the start of the season how the game went last year when Kentucky absolutely blew the doors off of Louisville with. It seemed like double the fans from Kentucky in the stands at, at Cardinal mm. Stadium. I mean, something hard, just hate hard to, to see. watch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, and then you know, heading into the new season with Scott Satterfield, how would the dynamics with Coach Stoops be? What would he have to say? Obviously, Kentucky has owned Louisville in the recruiting battle. There's no denying that. You know, with JJ Weaver and Jared Casey and all the guys that he came in, and and Vince Morrow was able to kind of take away from Louisville, which. You know, kudos to them. And Scott Satterfield talked about how they're going to continue to run into each other in recruiting and the blueprint. Um, and there was some really good sound from the Louisville press conference this week. But I, I've been interested to see how Satterfield would handle this because the good thing about hiring a coach who has not coached here before or who has been in a completely different environment, really, in App State, that's kind of like their own little bubble. Like the Kentucky Louisville dynamic is very interesting for a new coach who's even keel. You know, he's not a, a hoorah guy, he's not, um, you know, gonna go out and pump up his team you're not gonna you know see him on instagram live like edge or ed orgeron you know right. saying f f died or whatever like that scott's a very you know even kill guy and he'll tell you how it is and um i, I was really interested to see what his thoughts are in, uh, with kentucky and then you, there's always the where the angle of kentucky football what do they do because a couple years ago jordan jones freaking psycho starts a fight we've mm-hmm. seen coaches start fight we've seen players start fights and now you have to deal you have to contend with cash daniels this year right who is uh obviously a man on the loose a madman yes um so i'm look i i, I think that there's still 
that's that's this is going to be a big test for Louisville as far as mentally because I think that last year you saw them crumble with the trash talk again last year. Um, I mean, you know, Malik, we can call Malik back then. Malik Cunningham has a yeah, like seventy-five yard. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can retroactively <laughs> call him that. Right? How does that work? So after after October second, then you call him Mikhail. But if it's in the past, you call him Malik. I don't know. Anyways, so Malik had a 75-yard touchdown run to put them within seven in the first quarter. And he's like, he gets an excessive celebration penalty, basically. Right. And then UK just, you know, runs him down UofL's throat the next, like, five plays and scores again. Right. So it's just like, you know, are, are they going to succumb to um, their old ways against a, a foe who has traditionally been pretty good about getting in their heads? Exactly, right. Or... It, or are they going to be able to kind of rise above? Right, and harness it and use it to right. actually play better, which th- that's the interesting thing because you know the players have a chip on their so- their shoulder, especially the seniors who yeah. have lost to Kentucky twice. Yep. The ones that lost in 2016 and then, you know, the ones who went through the absolute torch last year. They, yeah. they want revenge, but I think that uh, the way that they've handled it is very professional like um and the way that kentucky has handled it is not let's let's play the clip from the, the scott Satterfield sound courtesy of the little uh, football facebook um it, let's play that sound of, of him being asked about social media and the influence that the fans have and it just being asked over uh, overall about the atmosphere of the rivalry daily basis um, getting ready um at practice watching film all those things the chatter on social media doesn't help you win any football games i mean i think you know, it gets it just um, there's nothing about it that that will help you win. So we we don't need to do it. I think that's where that came from. Boom, ten seconds. Right. That that's his answer. He shut it down, talking about you know, what are your players going to be on social media? And the the question came out of Des Fitzpatrick saying, you know, peace out, social media for the next week. Great, smart move. I love it. Let's focus on football because seeing that stuff. Because let's let's first acknowledge college players see all of the stuff on Twitter. The way, the way that we operate with our Twitter and we check everything, we check mentions, we check, you know, just overall conversation. Like, they see everything. Oh, dudes, and this is, like, the worst mental thing ever, but especially, like, basketball and football players, they, like, check their – they, like, search their name right, on exactly. social media like after they have a bad game. Exactly, right. So, I mean, th- there's definitely some, you know, frustrations that could arise from seeing UK fans call Kentucky, you know, or call Louisville certain names or say they're not good at anything. So get off social media. Don't talk about it. Don't, you know, go be about it as the saying is said. And that is in comparison to the way that Mark Stoops handled things along with his players. Obviously we heard the first sound of Lynn, of Lynn Bowden, which, you know, is just, it's just so tone deaf. Like it's just so, why, why do you need to start? Like if knowing in the position that you're in, you're, you're a middle to bottom of SEC team. You're mm-hmm. just bowl eligible. You know, you've lost just about every big game you've played in this season, whether it was Tennessee, whether it was Florida, whether it was Georgia. You know, obviously there are some good wins along the way. The Missouri win is really good. Right. Uh, but you're just you're just an okay football team. And uh, I'm not saying Louisville is world beaters, but they, there's just no reason to poke the bear. And that's no. what I think they're, in a way, kind of doing. And they're already kind of trying to get under the player's skin and, and the coaching's skin. And the best part about it is they were just coming off like – a pretty. I mean, I know they won fifty to seven, but it was a lackluster game against UT Martin. Like it was, there was nothing to write home about. I, and I know you said you didn't watch the game, but they literally started off. Um, so UK scored on their first drive. No, I'm sorry. UT Martin got the ball. Um, U, UK got a safety. So it's like two nothing. Then they punted. Uh, UK scored on a like 65 yard t- touchdown run, and then 
UT Martin got the ball back like inside their own five. Yeah. The snap goes underneath the quarterback's legs, and instead of him going to fall on it in the end zone, he like ran away from the UK player and he just dived on it in the in the end zone. It's like sixteen to nothing after like maybe two minutes. Right. So the game was just, over right away. Right. Yeah, they were just the complete take you know, you take the, the air the out game. of their sails. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, so it means nothing. And so that's how you that's the tone that you're setting for your team. You're you know, you're being asked about it. Obviously the reporter did a great job of poking and trying to get an answer mm-hmm. there and get a quote. So you have that. Then you've got Calvin Taylor, who leads Kentucky in sacks, being asked yesterday by the, the Kentucky media whether I, I, he's not even asked if they're going to win. Like it's that's the thing. Is he you goes out of his way? Yeah, let's go ahead and play the sound. Curse, who's it from? This is courtesy of my. I just got I just got chills, but it's of Nick from Nick Roush. Okay, KSR. Yeah, I mean you to be able to get a win on Senior Day against Louisville. Uh, we will we're... play it. Play it one more time. <laughs> I mean you to be able to get a win on Senior Day against Louisville. Uh, we will. We're... All right. Well, very quiet. What does it mean? What does it? What, what does it mean for you to get a, a a win on senior day? Goes. We will win. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's fine. No, no that's great. No one asked you that. I'm going like, X out of this guy's page. Yeah. Courtesy of the Ratio King, Nick Roush. Oh man, that guy. Anyways, when you when you talk about hatred for Kentucky, like just Louisville being a being a Louisville fan and being a Kentucky fan, I think KSR really fueled that for a long time, which. That's what they wanted to do, and I think it made a ton of sense. But it's so like that the just the extreme Kentucky fan who can, mm-hmm. like just completely refuses to think about things in a way that's you know rational, right? That's just like like ignoring such obvious facts to mm-hmm. just kind of poke with a little one that's like you know an annoying an annoying stat to Louisville fans like the Lamar Jackson fumble. Yeah. Okay, you guys got one. Woo-hoo. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. The, oh, that like one picture of him fumbling the ball. And then uh, what else? There, there's there's other yeah, but like the Patrick Sparks. But picture then they completely and, they completely failed to recognize that just a year before, as a freshman, Lamar Jackson got or as a yeah as a freshman got into the game as a very raw quarterback, was handed the the game with Kentucky up, I think twenty one points, and yeah. came back and just completely destroyed them. And then yeah. there you have the iconic picture of him winking, walking off because right. remember he got popped. He got popped yeah. a couple of times. Um and so that that's what they refuse to believe and so Nick Roush is just you know doing the same thing just trying to poke the bear yeah exactly which is right. fine What's, that's the theme that it seems today is poking the bear the the best part about best part about KSR too is that like I know of the UK fans I know there's not anybody that likes KSR see I I used to working in radio and working at iHeart and doing some live shows from them I know that their fans are the most loyal fans in the world oh dude I mean who else has a fan base on like a like they if, started if, a re- I mean, they started a restaurant his, from a blog like that's yeah. a radio show. I mean, it's it, unbelievable. If he was having his show in my driveway right now, there'd be a hundred. There'd be one hundred and fifty people out there. It's a yeah. Wednesday morning. It's like forty degrees and yep. like sixty mile per hour wind right now. Yeah, people. When I the one I remember from being from working there was was setting up for a live show before the UK UofL basketball game at a at the uh, they do it every year at the uh, beer nose across the river in Indiana. There's people who get there at like 7 and 8 a.m. And they don't serve food. They're not open until the show starts or something like that or like right before. So people just sit there. They literally just sit in this pizza place for four hours waiting for this radio show to come on. Or like two hours for this radio show to come on. Like it's ridiculous. But it's just that that whole like that – not to get on a tangent here, but just that whole like just extreme – 
refusing to look at the stats through both sides of the story and just absolutely like, well, you lost your banner. What about the strippers? Like all of that nonstop, the L's down thing. Like this week I envisioned they're, they're doing drills where they're finishing with L's down. Like the coaches, <laughs> I need to see better L's down. Like that's they're, like, they're that's, like that's re-racking their there. weights and they're like, sir, you did, you did not grip that in L's down. Formation. Yeah, I did not see the L's down on that run. Okay. <laughs> Like that's that's what I and I saw somebody point this out on Twitter and I apologize for not remember who it was to give them credit but like I, initially Kentucky trains their players to hate Louisville whereas at Louisville yeah, now under yeah. Bobby it was a little bit different the, the players I think were like what in the world why does he hate this team so much and I think part of them eventually kind of becoming your coach really hated him too and then in the end it was a detriment to him you know what I mean like oh, it completely yeah. backfired on him yeah. but Kentucky's thing has always been getting under skin and they're already doing it so you have that and then let's play the rest of the Lynn Bowden sound from from earlier in the, the show uh, with Bowden being asked after the UT Martin game about Louisville and the rivalry game uh, that other team over there you know they wear the opposite color of us so wrong hold on, hold on. that's not that's, right we'll get into that in a second continue you guys are still yeah, we still wrong. That's my team. Yeah, I guess that you're the Steelers because you got a trash quarterback. You got any message for the fans of that other team this week? Huh? Stay with y'all. I'll jump on our bad way. Oh. I'll see y'all tomorrow. So why, watch out. Why would the other team jump on your bandwagon? Let's be careful, guys. But like, don't, don't 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 jump on that bandwagon. Listen, I know that you've been a Louisville fan yeah. your entire life, and but you're, you're just in case, this. yeah. Just in case, if you see Lynn Bowden, who has been called the next Lamar Jackson. Yeah, don't forget about that. Um, the, the Kentucky fans are going to tell their kids that. The the next time you see Lynn Bowden, um, make sure that you don't jump on his bandwagon, because that could be. That's a uh, great. That's a great heads up. So so there's that, and then there's one final piece of this that I that I think is important to talk about. And I, I look, I, I could completely have this out of context, and um, I give credit to Mark Ennis. He you know they do a great job over there at CardinalSports.com, but he he posted this. Uh, it's a it's a quote from from Mark Stoops being asked about the culture at Louisville, and uh, the the question says on you know or it, it reads on how difficult is it to change a culture that quickly? He said I think it's very difficult. I think every situation is different. I don't know about changing a culture. They've won pretty good, and it seems not like it seems not that long ago we're sitting up here and they were a top ten team. They sat there and won eight nine nine eight nine twelve and eleven in the previous seven years, so pretty good. They've been pretty good, and they still have a lot of talented players. He has still done a remarkable job. I'm not taking anything away from him, that's for sure. To me, that seems like a, a pretty roundabout way of kind of trying to discredit how much work there was to do. Right, And right. only looking – again, it's that Kentucky lens of only looking at things that are convenient mm-hmm. for you to share. So you're you're talking about Louisville being – yeah, true. Bobby Petrino won a lot of football games. I don't think anybody would deny that. No. But towards the end, things fell apart for non-football reasons. Now, right. part of it was a staff not being able to do football coaching at a high level, but other part of it is they treated people like crap, and it stopped working when they stopped winning. So to say that, what's the angle? Like, there's got to be an end goal for him to kind of spin it that way. Like, I think it is it a lowering expectations kind of thing. Sure. Is it is it you know just being you know cordial and 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 complimentary of the program and just the longevity of it and how they've built it from the ground to where it is now right. even with one bad year there's this whole um on uh, coming from Kentucky's end too there's this whole SEC narrative right like there's this narrative that the SEC is just it's just the king of conferences it will not be taken down um i saw somebody on the UK end of the media um writing about how if if Louisville was in in the SEC East 
and Kentucky was in the ACC slash, you know, Big East going back in the last 20 years. The records would probably be flipped. I mean, that, that, I mean, and that, that, that I think that was that was their point was that the, you know UK would go would have a bunch of ten and eleven win seasons and um what what else are they talking about? They're saying that U hadn't played or hadn't beaten any ranked teams and blah 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 yada 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 so on and so forth. But it's just this it's just this kind of false narrative that the SEC is just unstoppable. Like I, I think that you know it, it's pretty obvious that the ACC is having a down year. Like I, I think that the ACC overall uh you know top to bottom is having one of its worst years in what probably a decade yeah, i mean in a long time i mean and it's yeah it's not but, anything good you you know when you're when you don't have a, a great florida state you're already you know setting yourself up for failure and to only you know to have uh wake forest collapse late to have virginia collapse late i mean the fact that virginia tech is going to be in the orange bowl is just crazy like that's mm-hmm. crazy yeah but the sec is not too much better. I mean, you no. know, where Kentucky sits, obviously you have your big players and uh, you've got the Georgia and Florida's, but in that conference, there's no reason that you should be losing to South Carolina. There's no reason why you should be losing to Tennessee, who no. has by every means been an average team. And I'm not saying Louisville would beat them, but if, if you switch, I don't, I just don't think that that's a valid argument no. for this season no. in particular, because if you switch the records, if you switch the teams, I think you'd probably end up with close to the same record. Especially like, with, with the talent that UK is getting. Like I was looking at the 2020 recruiting class, and this is pretty standard. If you look at the state of Ohio, and you just go down to 2020 recruiting, recruiting class, because I was looking at a, a player, um, I can't think of his name. There's a kid, an offensive lineman, that's committed to UofL, and he's like the 24th ranked player in the state of Ohio. Kentucky. Oh, you're talking about all, all, um, Luke, uh, Luke Kandra, yeah. Luke Kandra, thank you. Yeah. Um, Kentucky has like 12 guys that are ranked higher than Luke Kandra just from Ohio. Yeah. Like it, so they're, they're yeah, getting good really, players. They've done a really good job of recruiting Ohio. And they're getting absolutely nothing out of them is, is basically the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah, I mean, essentially you had the, the – last year you had the 10-win season, which, you know, you, you do that – and kudos to you because that's a that's a tough thing to do in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Now there are programs that are doing it every year, but to, for Kentucky to even be there once, you know, just kind of signals at how much talent they had with with um, Josh Allen and having Benny Snell. But you take that away this year, and I think they would have been a much better team with Terry Wilson. Like I don't think they lose Tennessee to Tennessee. Like I think they very well no. could be at nine and a three team at the end of the season with Terry Wilson. But to make that argument this year is just ridiculous. It, it has no being on it. Um, and you know, back to Scott Satterfield, I, I really like the the matter of a fa- the matter of fact like approach of just straight straight ahead and uh, not being worried about other teams. I think that's worked well for them all year. Of uh, and the one week I think where they got off track on that, and maybe I'm wrong here because I obviously don't have the pulse of the team, mm-hmm. but it feels like Miami was the week where that got off the track, where they got more yeah. worried about what other people were doing and how they looked and the way that they appeared rather than actually playing good solid football and being ready to play. Right. So. Uh, I think Satterfield's going to have his team ready to go, but I, I think that um, the biggest key of this game is something that may seem obvious, it may not, but I think it's whether or not Louisville can keep their cool because I think Kentucky's yep. going to push and push and push and push. You know, they're going to do the extra leg twisting and the arm pulling, and you know, oh, they're yeah. going to they're going to do some, you know, get up and clap in your face after a penalty or whatever it is. Like right. they're they're certainly going to continue to push the envelope on It'll be Louisville's feelings. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have no problem taking a couple fifteen yarders to to make that happen. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, you know, we go back to last time they played in Commonwealth and throwing the trash cans and right and Jordan know, Jones with the fight with Lamar in the then, corner of the end zone. What was it? The the time before that, or maybe it was yeah, the time before that was, was it not James Quick that got into a fight at the end of the half? I vaguely remember that. I, that, I, I don't really. Is that Kentucky? I have no idea. I don't know. But I mean, there, there's the obviously the the iconic picture of Bobby Petrino with the the, the coach from Kentucky like, like lifting him up by his collar after they you know started a fight with mm, players yeah. back in like 15. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's just so many there's so many incidents like that along the way, and I think that the more you can keep your team focused on not beating Kentucky but winning eight games, I think that's the message: is do you want to win your eighth game? Like obviously. Mm-hmm. In falling in line with that, we're worried about us. It's the 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 battle here is to win your eighth game. It's not to beat Kentucky. It's not right. to win the Governor's Cup. Obviously, that's what you want to do, but it's to get to eight wins, put yourself in a better position to play a really good opponent in a bowl game, uh, and have more time to prepare. You know, I think that the next month of the once they you know they finish the season on Saturday, I think the next month is going to be critical to the growth of the program yeah. because this is where they're going to cultivate depth, and I think we're going to see you know four or five guys in the bowl game. You know, play significant snaps that we didn't see, and I'm I'm just gonna warn you now, Louisville fans. I I don't have any information here. This is me just warning you. Prepare for Mackay Beckton to not play in the ball game. Makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. I, you know, I I completely understand the narrative that he would want to play with his teammates and finish the season strong, and maybe he would, but I just don't see the 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 financial get healthy impact there exactly of dollars and go to the like. the combine and just be a massive freak who absolutely explodes onto the scene and be a top five pick because it's more than more than capable but anyways let, let's go and talk about the actual matchup on the field because i think that there's some intriguing things to look at in this game that you know there's been in other games but it's not been to this this magnitude and to me the the theme and the storyline is something's got to give and mm-hmm. when i say that there's a couple of different ways the number one being we know that Kentucky is a run first offense behind a wide receiver turned quarterback. Lynn Bowden does not throw the ball very much. I think he's he, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's not completed a whole lot of passes. Name UK's leading passer. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, Sawyer Smith. Yeah. Yeah. With 690 yards. And he's only played in like four or five games. I mean, you remember mm, he came in I don't even know if that. Yeah, he I'm not came in sure for the Florida game and many. then I think he got hurt the game after that and didn't play until No, he just got taken out. I thought he was. I'm pretty sure he was hurt. Dude, is, he's hurt. the worst rated quarterback yeah, in the I know history he was really bad. of when they started rating quarterbacks. That's crazy considering that Drew Barker played there. Remember Drew Barker? He's far worse. Drew Barker was terrible. 57 for 125, four touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. And that that includes an insane game that he played well, against Florida. Right. And, and kudos to Mark Stoops. I will give him credit for going all in on this, you know run first, run only offense. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Eddie Grant, the offensive coordinator, have done a really good job of getting Bowden prepared. And because the thing that you have to give them credit for, and I think this is, you know, something we've we've really praised Scott Satterfield for, is being able to run the football when people know you're going to run the football. Right. And that's what Kentucky's done time mm-hmm. and time again. Um, and they've done it at a really high level, and I think it saved their season. If they would have continued with Sawyer Smith, or the, the guy behind him, uh, Walker Wood, I think is his name, yeah. if they would have continued on with them, Kentucky probably would have only won five games, maybe maybe six. You know, There's a couple more games in there. Like the Missouri game would have been a completely different game. I think that, that UK is basically just resigned to the fact that every time they throw the ball, it's there's an 80% chance it's going to be a wasted play. Exactly. So right. why, why run the throw? ball? Right. Why, why throw right. the ball? So yeah. there's that element to it. So Lynn Bowden running the football in Louisville, stacking the box and making them pass, which I, you're not going to make them pass. You're just not. So you have to continue to stop the run. You have mm-hmm. to continue to prepare that they're going to run it down your throat every single time. 
And, no. and even if they're getting one or two yards, they're going to take that risk because they know they can't throw the football. So I'm calling it now. UK is going to have a long Oh, no doubt. No, it'll be like the Georgia Tech game. Remember yeah. that last year when they opened yes. the game up with just it, like a seventy-five-yard bomb? It's the only pass they threw the whole game. It'll be like UK when in two thousand sixteen, yeah. when, when they upset UVL when UVL is like a top fifteen team. Yeah, and that was a game when Stephen Wilson looked like he was going to be the Heisman winner. Like he right. completely outplayed Lamar. So and, and, and that well, was, he, I shouldn't say completely, but a, a good portion of that game he outplayed. That, that was the that was the narrative coming in that if you stop Benny Snell, you stop UK, and then they just beat UVL over the top like four times that like for long touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they you definitely. Know, I, did. I could I could see the same sort of thing happening. You know, Louisville yeah. is without Rush East, which you know we haven't really brought up, but he's he looks like he's probably not going to play for the rest of the season, including yeah. the bowl game. Right, and and I think just to talk about that just for a few seconds, I, you know, I wrote about that this week. I think that this is a game where you can get by without Rush East. You know, I I don't know what you're going to get with with Isaiah Hayes, but I know with Jack Fago, he's a physical guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to excel in, in running and being able to. Put he's his definitely hat on the ball. a run defensive defense guy exactly and obviously yeah. Kane pass this is Kane pass's game yes. like this is where we should see yeah. a career game from Kane pass because they're not going to throw the football and we know that Kane pass is not great in coverage he's a run guy he's a, you know he's really more of a hybrid linebacker mm-hmm. playing safety is a necessity um and you're they're not going to test you deep now they they probably will once or twice i think you have to if you're at a grand you have to yeah you have, you to, have to see you have to see if that you can take advantage of you know one of your best if not your best defenders being out on the, on the field mm-hmm. because i know that russ isn't just a safety like russ is you know a leader on that defense yep. you know he calls you know any kind of i would imagine he calls a lot of you know audibles or whatever is kind of the guy that coordinates with the coaches on the sideline could be way off there uh, no but no, you're right. i think that eddie grand and kentucky they have to take advantage of that even if that's a trick play where you maybe line up with lynn bowden under center and then mm-hmm. you know you throw it to Walker Wood, or you throw it to Sawyer Smith and Test Deep. Like I think that's right. kind of like what you know what you might something see. you might see. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's the 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 Louisville offense being dynamic. Obviously, we know Mikael Cunningham has been sensational, like nothing we could have imagined. And mm-hmm. Louisville being able to just you know essentially at any game flip it upside down with a deep pass to Tutu Atwell, like a 90 yard touchdown against um, against Syracuse, like unbelievable. But, but so we're talking about all the factors that'll play into it, and and honestly. This game this year, maybe more than any other game in in this rivalry in the last five or six years, is going to be all about a the mentality and b I think the weather is going to come into play. So we're talking about long pass plays, but if if, if Louisville's going to break a long pass play, it's got to be in the short, quick, like across the middle type pass play or like one of those like little um you know end arounds from 2-2 or something like that because right, like the shovel pass the weather's going to be nasty i don't know if you've seen that i have not seen the forecast no. um i'm going to have to actually look up the exact forecast but from everything that I, that i've seen and read it's going to be just you know brutally like pretty much like today like if if we if we went outside right now and tried to throw a football it would look like a bunch of idiots yeah was, so it's i mean it looks like it's supposed to rain all day on saturday so you, you and that's it that's it. i mean i don't know what the weather is in Louisville, but that's definitely lexington it's you know all all day over seventy percent. So you're right. It's going to be a mucked up game, which is Kentucky has the the edge there. I mean, they won the game against yep. uh, against Georgia, which if you remember was just an absolute slop. Whereas Louisville went down to Miami and played in that rain game, and and a little bit last week with Syracuse. Um, but they they're not as they have not been as dangerous in the in the the elements because you lose a part of that passing game. Mm-hmm. Um and, and yeah, I think there's going to be some creativity that we're going to see with the defense because, the, and that's what I say when something's got to give because you you have the ability to hit deep to Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick and Seth Dawkins 
And then Kentucky's defense has been, you know, has proven all season long that they don't give up plays over the top. I think they're one of the top yeah. teams in the country yeah. in pass defense. I think they're like top 10. They haven't allowed a play over 50 or 60 yards outside of maybe one or two times. So mm-hmm. I think that they're going to look to obviously take that away. Um, and they're very much built like a Florida State team up front. They're, they're physical, they're long, they're athletic, and that's a that's a problem that Louisville has really struggled with. If you look at Louisville's losses this season with Florida State, Miami, Notre Dame, they they really have struggled with big, physical, fast linemen, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a problem that if you can't run the football on that, then then you have no chance. Well, Kentucky's going to win that. I game. think the one key is they just have to hold on to the ball, and that's what they struggled with against those really solid defenses. I think they just try to do a little bit too much. Um, and, I mean, it, it, the the statistics show, I mean, when, when they have lost, it's because they turn the ball over. Right. You, with, the, with the offense that they run, they cannot afford to give the other team more possessions. Like, you yeah. just can't. And right. with the way that the defense has played this year, I mean, Kentucky's going to score points in this game. Yeah. Like, Kentucky's going to score, at like, at least in the 20s, in, in my opinion. I know they only average 24 points a game. I know that they are kind of like U of L in, in the sense that they kind of like like to keep the ball on the ground a little bit more. And um, and, and no, they want to keep the ball on the ground. Right, all the right. Time. But but Non-stop. what I mean is like they they yeah. want to they want to run the clock. They right, want to exactly. they want to shorten the game. Exactly. Louisville yeah, wants to shorten the game. Got to give. Mm-hmm. That's the theme, and it continues to be in a bunch of places. Special right. teams, it's the same thing. It's like he's been fairly good. Special teams. Louisville's got a dynamic kick returner. Yep. Well, it, it's it's like you know. You just never know. Again, like like I said, in, in a rivalry game, we talked about before Boston College. I think we had Keith on on the phone, and I'm not sure if you were on this podcast, but I think I asked, asked Keith, "Are we going to keep this game over two hours and thirty minutes?" Which is funny because we were there at the game, and that game, I remember. I'm pretty sure you looked at your watch and you're like, "This game lasted four hours and seven minutes." Yeah, and it didn't go in overtime. It's like that Akron so, game the other night. That Akron game took forever. Like I mean, yeah, I was like, "How yeah. is there still twelve minutes in the second half?" I've been watching this game for three hours. Yep. Um, but like I said, though, you, you just, you just never know. Like sometimes when you have two strengths, both teams try to counteract, counteract that, right. um, strength with, you know, trying to throw the other team off guard. And I think that's what Louisville did against Boston college. And you've seen that a few times this year. Sure. I, I don't think that Wake Forest expected Louisville to drop 62 on them. No, right. Um, now, I don't think so. Syracuse expected Louisville to be able to get up to 56. Like you're, you're 100%. 100% on. So, and then the other factor that, that you factor in, you know, we talk about all these things outside of, you know, just basic scheming-wise. Um, well, or Kentucky has a turf field, which I, which I like to see. So, I'm not sure we talked about this very much. I think we brought this up on the last podcast, but they have really, really struggled when when they play on fields that limit their speed. So, right. against Miami, on the, the, the field down there is notoriously sloppy when it rains, and it rains all the time in the afternoon there, um, they struggled with, you know, with the team's speed. Like, they struggled with, with plays where, you know, Tutu Atwell could put his foot in the ground and he's gone. Or Mikhail Cunningham could make this cut and he's gone. And those plays, just they just didn't happen. Um, I think that's – and uh, it, it was the same thing the week before. Um, who did they play the week before? Uh, NC State. Yeah. When they play and on – the week after Miami, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when 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 they play on these fields where they're not the turf fields, where they don't have their per- the perfect footing at all times, um, that really hurts your team's speed. So, I think that is one difference that you know that we we talked about. You know, as far as like size on defense and matching speed for speed and that sort of thing, I think that Louisville could have the advantage just a little bit because I think Louisville's team speed on offense is still a little bit better than UK's team speed on defense. Yeah, 
you know, Louisville's good at, at keeping it on the ground, but but you're not going to be just running up the middle over and over against Kentucky either, you know. Are they going to be able to match up and, and, you know, and be able to set the edge yeah. the right way, or, or is, is Kentucky going to be able to keep up with that? And is Kentucky going to do anything to counteract that? Right. You know? uh, they, they do have players on their on their team that they could go a little bit smaller, so um, I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, stick, stick with – with what they do the best, yeah, or they're going to try to match level man for no, man. So, so. I, th- I think there's a couple of different elements at play with this even, and I think one of the biggest ones being, you know, of course in the SEC you have a lot of teams that are really fast, right? You have Alabama, you have Georgia. These, these are top-of-the-line athletic teams. But what I don't think that they've seen yet is a team like Louisville where the defense is built around stopping guys like Lynn Bowden. Mm-hmm. Like it's built for Rajay Burns's and – and uh, Yasir Abdullah's and, uh, you know, the smaller C.J. Avery's, Monty Montgomery, the guys who can just absolutely fly mm-hmm. and, and then and then hit you, you know, you know, come with consequences and hitting you and putting you down. And I think that, that that bodes well for them if they can set the edge. The problem is is that their offensive line is significantly bigger than, than Louisville's defensive line. I mean, Louisville's got a undersized oh, yeah. defensive line yeah. and but that's been the case almost every game yeah this year, but though. louisville has not um they've not they've not gotten that to the quarterback outside of when it matters and i think that that's what it you know in this game you want to see them make a play on third down or on second down continuously being able to put put kentucky off the field with big stops um and then the other part is turnovers that's the last yep. thing we can talk about here is yep. turnovers is i think that you know, if Louisville can protect the football, Mikhail Cunningham doesn't throw an interception or they don't cough up a fumble or muff a punt or whatever it is, like if you don't give Kentucky extra possessions, then you're going to win the football game because you're going to be able to run the football on them. Yeah. It's just that you've ran the football on Clemson, on Notre Dame. Kentucky's not better than them. No. Ran the ball in Miami. Like you're going to be able to run the football. But if you give them, you know, this is going to be a shootout. Let's let's not deny that. Like even no. with the rain, I think they could score a lot of points because there's just going to be big runs where a broken tackle happens and there's not somebody in the field. Whatever the case is, if, but I, you know, they got to they got to take care of the football and, and make you know, bound throw an interception or, or a fumble or whatever. Uh, so I mean, we're we're getting kind of into the keys to the game, right? So, um, I, I mean, that's that would be my key to the game. If they don't turn the ball over, they're going to win. Yeah. Hundred percent, sure. Because UK's offense cannot keep up with Louisville's offense. I don't care about offense versus defensive matchups. Um, I, I because we've seen Louisville play, you know, basically be able to keep up with 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 the big name right. teams right. on offense against some really good defenses. Um, and I don't I don't think Louisville's defense or I don't think Kentucky's defense is anywhere near Clemson, which again. It doesn't show by the final score, but Louisville's offense was okay against Clemson. They had a few drops where it, it would have been more. You yeah, know, they would have scored twenty-four ish, and they would have probably so. had you know several hundred yards rather than you know just a bunch of. You know, I think they ran the the football for like one hundred and fifty and threw yeah. for like eighty-five or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It would have been you know a completely different game. Regardless, against stats. against Notre Dame, they kind of ran the ball at, at will. They just didn't. I think against Notre Dame it was very conservative. I think that Scott Satterfield knew that he they probably weren't going to walk away with a win in that particular game, so you want right. to keep it as close as possible. But again, turnovers would cost them that, in that game. Um, but then you look at Miami, you look at Virginia, they ran the ball at will against those teams. Um, and, you know, the the difference is they ran the ball at will against Florida State. The difference is the turnovers. You know, when you look at the, the teams where they lost to good defenses, it's because they turned the ball over. And I don't think that had anything to do with the other teams necessarily. It more had to do with, with Louisville. Um, right, and so that that's where my concern comes. You see the games where they haven't turned the ball over; they're scoring in the fifties and sixties. You know, when they didn't turn the ball over against um, Syracuse, 
They scored 56. They didn't turn the ball over against Wake Forest. They scored 62. They didn't. How, did they turn the ball over against Boston College? I don't think they did. They I scored 48. Yeah. You know, so like all these, all of these games where they're not turning the ball over, they're they're winning and they're scoring a lot of points. A lot of points. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I think that, that that's a big that's a big deal against a team that's got a dynamic, you know, running quarterback. So let's let's finish with predictions. What do you think? Just real quick, what, what's your score? And um, so I I can if again if Louisville doesn't turn the ball over, if they kind of stay out of, you know, I think that your key to the game was was avoiding the trash talk. Um, and you know we we've talked about that because with the trash talk comes you know personal foul. That's 15 yards. Yes. Yeah. And and then you get into situations like it, it all feeds off itself. So right. Right. You get a 15 yard personal foul penalty and it's like second and 24 or something like that then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you have to throw the ball uk has a great secondary all of a sudden you know that that's has turnover situation written all over it yeah if you avoid those situations and you avoid the turnovers it's all very you know you know feeds off of each other right right i think louisville has a chance to blow this one open if they don't turn the ball over and if they don't succumb to that you know, uh, but but I, I, again, history shows that they're not they're not going to be able to just keep a lead. So I, I I'm going to go. I, I think Louisville will win this game, um, but I think it's going to be closer in the end than we want it to be. Clo- you know, a little closer than we'd be comfortable with. I'm going to go Louisville 38, UK 34. All right, I'm going to tell you right now, Kentucky's not going to score 34. Points. You don't think they're going to score no. 34? So let, let me read off to you Kentucky's score from each of their games this season. Okay, okay. 21 against Florida. 13 against Mississippi State, 7 against South Carolina, mm-hmm. 24 against Arkansas, 0 against Georgia, 29 against Missouri, 13 against Tennessee, and then 38 and 50 against Vanderbilt and UT Martin. So throw away Toledo, where they scored 38, throw away Eastern Michigan, where they scored 38, throw away Vanderbilt, where they scored 38, and throw away UT Martin, where they scored 50. The highest output from the rest of the season was 21 points. But I now, would, I will say, Kentucky's now Louisville is probably going to give them a touchdown walking into it, right? So right. Just and, go ahead and, and say that they'll get a free touchdown. And uh, again, they're going to be in between those teams. So like, they're, they're not, UVL doesn't have a UT Martin defense, but they also don't have a Georgia defense, right? You know, right. So they're gonna probably going to be in the Arkansas range, which helped Kentucky mm-hmm. to twenty four points. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I mean, that I, is and, interesting. And then you you consider the rain in there, yeah. and it's twenty one zero in that game between Georgia and Kentucky. So your average there is ten. So ten points is the average between you know the the, the Kentucky the right. where Louisville's defense probably stands in terms of teams that Kentucky has faced, and then adding the rain element in. So I think that the magic number is twenty eight. If Kentucky scores more than twenty eight points, no, I'm sorry, let me go. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go twenty eight points. If Kentucky scores more than twenty eight points, they win this football game. Now right. I still think it's gonna be a shootout. But I think it's going to be maybe like early, it's ugly, and then late there's a couple of you know touchdowns or something like that. Like it's not going to be a very high scoring game. But I think I'm going to go 38 to 24, okay. Louisville. So you got 38 24. I got 38 34. Yeah. So I yeah. think that Kentucky. I think I that Louisville's that. defense is going to be able to hold Kentucky because, like I said, we talked about this this week as a group from from the website. If you can give up. Uh, just big plays and not lead to points. Like if you make, say Lynn Bowden goes on a drive and he runs for 80 yards on one drive, but on third down they get off the field, that mm-hmm. has no impact on the game. Those 80 right. yards are meaningless at that point because you didn't score a touchdown. Right. And the thing is, is if Louisville can hold them to three, three, seven, three, maybe miss an extra point or block an extra point, like limit their points to not being big explosive touchdowns, even mm-hmm. if you do give up big plays, 
um, I think you can win. And I think because Louisville can change the game so much quicker than Kentucky Kentucky can. Oh, yeah. Because they have the passing element that yep. can pick up. Now, don't get me wrong. Bowden can go 75, 80 yards easy. Yeah. But I consistently, mean, probably not. That's not going to happen. Where consistently you can go 80, 75, 60, 50, 40 yards over the top of the middle. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So let's let's finish up with basketball. Uh, we ran long on on football there, just because I think there's a lot to talk about when it's you know your your team's hated rival. Like there's a lot of on the line here. I think there's a lot of elements at play with it. But let's talk about basketball. We already, of course, covered Louisville potentially stepping into the number one spot with Duke losing to Stephen F. Austin on um, on Tuesday night. Um, the other thing that's kind of the elephant in the room is like. Do we want to talk about Akron? Like, do we want to talk about what happened at the end of the game? Is this a fluke? Like, was USC Upstate and, and Akron just two one-offs because of the teams just being written off before they even stepped onto the floor? Like, right. what is that? In my mind, Akron has kind of the recipe, and Chris Mack really talked about this after his press conference. They have a recipe to beat Louisville. You get to beat yep. Louisville, you got to have really, really quick, dynamic guards mm-hmm. because you are already at an advantage with Fresh or with uh, with Ryan McMahon, you're already yep. you're already winning there. Ryan and McMahon can't Kimble's, cover Kimble too. You can yeah, Kimball's a there. good defender, but I don't think he's great. Darius is a is a good defender, but I don't think he's great either. Darius gets beat a lot more than you would like to see. He's um, Darius Perry is a Rick Bettino guard. Yeah, he's reckless defensively mm-hmm. at times. Now, yep. and I'm not saying like steal reaching for steals, but just like being slow on closeouts or mm-hmm. being over rotated, under rotated. So. If a team with guards comes into play and they can shoot and they can drive and score, they're going to do what Tyler Cheese and Lauren Christian Jackson did and, and Channel Banks. They all just played mm-hmm. great games. There's no denying that, but a lot of it is. How many times did Louisville not close out on threes or not get there in time? How many times did – I mean, it was like 2K where, uh, you know, Lauren Christian Jackson, who is five foot eight, would just drive down the lane without yeah. a single pass in, in closing seconds of the game. Yeah, and it, like – I mean, I felt like I watched the same possession over and over and over again um, at, at the end of that Akron game because, it, it, like, like you said, uncontested layups. Like it, it was right. pain. They it was painful to watch. Straight through five people. I think. I mean, I think Louisville. You know, and I think Chris Mack said this in the in the post game presser. You know, I think that Louisville got up by you know twenty two points, and and you know. They knew that Akron was was a good team, but they kind of like celebrated that. Yeah, and they just kind of fell asleep. Yeah, at they a, did at the and, end of the game. And it looked like you know maybe I read this wrong. Maybe and it could have been one of two ways. Maybe maybe it went uh, the players' way, or maybe it was the team. But I thought that the team kind of watched Jordan in the second half. They went from yep, the, you know they were the ones that got Louisville going early, scoring I think the first like eight to ten points, and then obviously Jordan went on that twelve zero run by himself. Right, and then after that. I felt like for the, in the second half specifically, Louisville just kind of was like, "All right, Jordan, here you go, and go get some buckets." The other thing about that was, Wara scored what two points in the second half, maybe four. I think he took, a, I think he took like ten or eleven shots in the second half and didn't make it a single was, one. It was I mean, painful. Yeah, it, they it, were all forced. There was nothing in the flow of the offense. You know, it's not like it's not like Chris Max said, "Hey, you know, let's run one of our you know good high low screen plays and get Jordan a wide open layup or." Right. You know, like let's uh, let's you know set like a some sort of screen to get Jordan you know rolling towards the top of the key for an open shot. None of that stuff. It was pass it around, pass it around, wait for somebody to take a shot, and then Wara takes a bad shot towards the end of the shot clock. And that's just not not what you want to see on offense. On defense, it was even worse. Um, just letting guys just get into the lane at will, right. letting guys blow by you. They kind of looked a little bit tired, or like they you know weren't going to be able to keep up with Akron's guards. Right. And and the other thing that that concerns me, like you said. A lot of uncontested shots. 
Um, and then there's just there's a lot of um, th there's w the one thing that Chris Max defenses have lacked overall is just there's not enough um, turnovers forced. There's so many possessions that end in a shot by the opponent, right? And that makes me so uncomfortable because you know, like you saw against USC Upstate, um, you know, you get some of these teams that come in and they they get a little hot um, shooting from behind the arc, and all of a sudden you have you know possessions that that are ending you know Louisville played great defensive possessions to start against UC Upstate yeah but at, at the end of the shot clock they just you know those last five seconds they went to sleep and they, they would hit you know they would hit a three that they had no business hitting because and, that's the that's just been the nature with Louisville last last few years even in Patino like I mean it was mm -hmm. just the final seconds of the shot clock yep. you give up a play and you're just play, like, come on so so even when they are playing good defense the team teams are remaining patient because they know against this defense it's not impenetrable like they can right. find an open shot right they can find a way to get into the lane sure. and that's what concerns me you know everybody's you know talking about michigan state right now about how you know they almost just lost to a georgia team that by all accounts you know looks pretty bad they you know got pretty much handled by uk and then they lost to what was the other team they lost to virginia tech virginia georgia tech. is not a bad team by the way they're they're not Georgia bad, is but, gonna be good. but Georgia's gonna be good. They got one of the best the, players in the country. The game before, they not lose by like twenty something. They did, but that's because Dayton. I mean, Dayton's in the final Dayton's of the Maui tournament. Like yeah. they got a kid who's gonna potentially be a top twenty pick. They're really really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think is it Anthony Grant their coach? Yeah, yeah. That's Dayton, wild Dayton's to me. he's Dayton's. like cycled through a ten programs. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. Um, but, but now they're a good team. So Georgia got beat by a team that was veterans and you know like a, a very experienced Dayton team. But then Anthony Edwards, who's gonna probably be he's the number be one or two pick. pick. Yeah. I mean, it's either him or Wiseman from Memphis, but he went off for like 33 points in the second half and almost single-handedly beat Michigan State, which is why I continue to tell you I don't think Michigan State that is that good. Michigan um, State, they and, and again, they uh, they remind me so much of – when when you watch Michigan State teams, it reminds me of when Louisville is just consistently good under Bettino because they're just so defensively sound, and they don't make very many fundamental mistakes. Right. Um, they lack – and I think what – I think Chris Mack's philosophy is completely different in that they – Really rebound really well. They are very offensively minded. Um, they're decent on defense, but they don't mind letting the other team score. Like right. Michigan, that's why I think Michigan State's gonna be so good towards the end of the year because they just have they have the dogs, and they. I'm telling you, man, I, they're still right in my Final Four. Well, that's, um, that's fine. Contention. I can really I mean, understand. I can why see you them would... getting upset too. Right. But... I could, I I see this being more of a team that likely gets upset than a team that goes deep. There's been so many Michigan State teams that like they kind of look like a team that could go deep. I mean, you think of um, the, I, I don't remember, I don't remember what year it was when they lost to Middle Tennessee State right, with Denzel right. Valentine, but then the year where they go to the Final Four with a team that has no business being in the Final right, Four. Right. Like, I mean, that's but, and that to me that's one of these teams. Like, I I, I just you know. I think that that there's something there with Cassius Winston. I think that they have the pieces around him. Um, they're obviously going to miss Langford. Um, I didn't realize he's out for the season again. He's supposed to be back at the end of the year, but maybe that's changed. But yeah. I, I just don't like when you look at the that when you look at the Michigan State players along the way. And I had no intention of having a Michigan State no, no, but, conversation. But my point will end on this. I, in the grand scheme of Michigan players who have led their team far in the tournament, I just don't think he matches up. I you don't, don't think, think so? he's Denzel Valentine. I don't think he's Kalen Lucas. I don't think I he's that. I mean, like yeah. I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, he but I just player. don't think that he puts them over the top where a lot of those other guys would. Now, if they had Nick Ward back, they'd be the favorite one at all. Nick Ward was incredible. Probably should have never well. left. Yeah. He's way overweight. Shouldn't been. Was no chance of getting drafted. Anyways, I digress. So. 
the thing is, is you want to see them close out games because of what happened last year. And and honestly, it, I mean, it looks like they went into just like nap into a nap because like they right. were sleeping trying to get the ball in bounds. Like the Dude. final play with Malik Williams just handing the ball to Ryan McMahon, and luckily he caught it right at the free throw line. Like that's the type of stuff they did against Clemson last year, where Jordan just saved yeah. them with the block at the end of the game, which should have been Clemson hitting a layup as the buzzer expired. Like they just were doing dumb things that were very uncharacteristic of good basketball teams, but then it makes you think like, is this just their nature? Like, are they just a weak-minded end of like you know you have teams that are that have right. different personalities and different takes mm-hmm. uh, or different characters and th- like the overall players' personalities kind of contribute to give you this one personality that oftentimes mirrors your coach. Right. Nothing I see from this team mirrors what Chris Mack is saying. Like, there's a disconnect somewhere along the way there. Mm-hmm. Of being mentally tough, and you see down the game, you add in a player like Fresh Kimball, by all accounts, was a dog. Like this guy's a winner, right, he's a right. killer. And at the end of the game, he's just trying to get rid of the ball, like just like they were last season. Well, I, I think the one thing about Fresh Kimball is even you know we kind of like played him up to be like he was a great player at, at St. Joe's, but he was never their number one guy. And so I, I think that he well, he also played with two NBA players when he was there. So That's true. That's he true. was the third guy all along. But, but he was but really he's playing with at, he's playing with at least two NBA guys this season. And, so. and, he, and he was really good at what he did. Like right, he was a right. very good scorer as a as a point guard, you know, as a, was good at getting teams into their offense. But I haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen any of it. And yeah. to to then put him into a game late late and to see him start making the same mistakes that we see with Ryan and Darius, it's just like David Johnson looked way better. Yeah, it's like it's like a cancer that spread yeah. in the in the final minutes with the ball. I mean, it's just unreal. And David Johnson, you know, he just looks unfazed out there. Like, he does. Yeah. At, at this point, he's going to be the guy. Like, like it wouldn't be surprising if if Fresh, you know, because I think they're going to play Fresh a lot in certain places. But it would not be surprising to see games where DJ plays twenty five minutes and Fresh plays like three, like we did with VJ at points last season. Where if you remember, yeah. VJ would get in, but he would only play a couple of minutes. Like I could yeah. totally see Johnson being in the game a lot I think, because you can't take out anybody else other than him. I think a better comparison is Quan Ford because I think that he brings a lot of what Ford brought. I think he's a much better scorer than he is, so I don't want to, you know, I think it's a, kind of a yeah. different comparison, but it matches up because they're graduate transfers with right. similar experience, with right. similar kind of stat lines going in. So. Right, and every year they, you know, analysts and, and people who cover basketball continue to say, like, you know, pump the brake on the grad transfer that you think is so good that they came from USC right. Berkeley and averaged 20 points a game playing against a bunch of Joe Schmoes. Look like, at look at TJ Hole for Louisville this year. Like we thought that TJ Hole, I mean, not to bring football on this. Yeah, no, we, totally. we thought we thought he was going to start at linebacker and, and be the leading tackler. Many snaps at Dude, all. Dude, like he's you know, not seeing the field no. at all. Like it makes no. you wonder. Like he just clearly is not to the level of competition that the ACC is. And then you know, obviously you have your Damian Lees, you have your Trey Lewis's. You, you know, there's right. so many grad transfers Chris every year here. Really good. Yeah. Well, I'm talking like guys who come in and they're like your best player. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I thought Cunningham was a yeah. top two player. Last yeah, for year. sure. And and then you have the Quan Fours where guys come in, and they just find a role, and that's what they end up, you know, kind of right. fitting into. So I think that uh, that was really worrisome. But now, you know, to kind of turn the page away from Akron, you get the win. At the end of the day, it's all that matters, right? Your record mm-hmm. does not have a one in it. It's no, still and, and, it's still perfect. And you know, we're talking about the end of the game because I think that that's, that's more of the storyline because la- it it just kind of mirrors what last year looked like with the Duke meltdown, with the Florida State meltdown, with yeah. the Clemson meltdown. You know, yeah. on and on. Virginia the year before that. You know, like uh, you, you know, th- there's definitely a point to be made there. But they looked. Very good for the right. first. I know you texted me and said, you know, are you still worried about Akron? Right, because you you always find one thing and latch on to it that like, I do. makes you worry. I do the same oh, yeah, thing, yeah. but I do it in a different way. 
No, no, I mean, like, but typically I'm right. Like, the Miami <laughs> game. Everybody's like, what? why are you so worried about Miami? I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like a game that Louisville will Because, lose. yeah. It just, just feels like a game that Traditionally, will lose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, here's here's the thing. And I will never, you know me, you and I will never be the person who, or the people who stand in and try to tell someone to fan, right? We won't right. tell you what to do. If you don't want to wear white till white out, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's your prerogative. That's silly, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. PSA, wear white on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly right. And I do want to talk about that to close the show. I do yeah, want to we, talk about we'll, the we'll get back to that. Banner. Uh, but here's the thing. I think that it is unreasonable to, to be a fan that says, well, these, these scares don't mean anything. We no. are six games into the season, and we've already been talking about this three times. We've already yep. been talking about it with, and, and really too, with Miami late in that game. I understand what, what surrounds it with playing freshmen. I right. Get it. But you're playing freshmen, and then you have the USC Upstate scare, which it, it'd be different if USC Upstate was uh, was Richmond or if they were uh, South Florida Dayton, or if they were Dayton. Right. Well, Dayton would be a different story because they're really they're good. They're really good. I'm just yeah. talking about your average run-of-the-mill mid-major team, mm. but it wasn't. It was USC Upstate who is one of the worst teams in the country, and not even that. Mm -hmm. Remember all last year we went to the tournament in Minnesota was like they don't shoot well or we'll just can't let them shoot well and then they went. They were the same way. USC Upstate is the worst shooting team in the country. The their, worst. Their like star it's player, not undebatable fact. Their star player was shooting nineteen percent from three. He was two for eighteen. Like I mean, and then he terrible. He was like four for four to start the game. They right, hit from three. nine threes in the first half against Louisville. Did they not? Or was that total in the game? No, they, that was in the first yeah, half. They hit nine threes and you're just like, what the heck? So, but I, I do think that it is worrisome because the the. The first five opponents record combined is 12 and 20 at this mm -hmm. point, right? No, I get that's a lot of mid-major and low-major programs in there who are going to get beat down early in the season. That's just what they do. But you throw Miami in there, I think they're four and three. Mm -hmm. Indiana State is two and four. Uh, you know, NC Central and, and USC Upstate are one and four. So, like, there's a lot of bad teams. And some of the games, again, the, the first six, the narrative of the first six games is what the hell? Why do we still have to talk about this? Yep. And now you're stepping into the next four games. 20 and 3. That's your combined yeah. opponent's record. So it's Texas Tech, who is really, really good. Michigan, who's undefeated. Not really sure what they are. They're, Pittsburgh's got a couple of losses, but they yeah. they beat Florida State. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, you throw in Western Kentucky in there, who's got an NBA player on their roster. Yeah. And who is 6 and 1, probably should be 7 and 0. They shouldn't have lost that game to Fordham no. or, or to Bowling Green. Yep. Um, point being, I think that it, it if you're a fan trying to ignore it, that's. I think that you're 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 convincing yourself that everything is fine. Right. There's and obviously plenty if, of time if you to wanna, figure it out. But. If you want to worry about something, this is a good time of year to be worried about it. You know, and it, I, I think that there was, um, I think Chris Mack said this after the first couple of games. Don't be fooled by you know coaches see their players every day in practice. They know what what their team's about before you do. And you know he said, don't be fooled by you know the shooting. Well, it, the, the the shooting was covering up a, a multitude of, of flaws. Um, you know, if, if Louisville shot the way that they did in the first four games, the last two games, then this is a non-issue. Like they would have scored 100 points easy against both of those teams. Okay, so tell me tell me what this means. Be my Chris Mack translator here. Okay. He he said it after the game on uh, Sunday night. He said, for a team that talks so much about insisting, we didn't do a great job. I'm not sure what he means by that. There's gro there's a lot of growth for us to make. Everyone talks about the ranking, but we haven't earned that yet. Teams are still getting better. We have a ways to go. What does he mean when he says for a team that talks so much about insisting? I'm not even sure what the hell that means. That's him saying like for our guys, I'm probably having a big head. Right. I I, I think that's what like, they're, they're, they're gonna insisting win. They're that gonna they're going to win. Yeah. They're going to be you know the highest ranked team. So flex their muscles a little bit. So if there's any truth to that, Chris Mack has a team who 
doesn't seem to take smaller opponents well, and, and I don't know if you it, listen. That's what he said. Right, right. right? That's and, what he's saying. And, and if you if you listen to the presser, that if you listen to you know which which I have because I'm a nerd, the the first six games, right? The first five games, his pressers were angry pressers. He's been he pissed was, off all season. He was so he was pissed off. He you know I don't you know he gave Patty Ice the business after USC Upstate. Like he, like he, you know, he's doing his his typical, you know, like staring down the media. Why are you asking dumb questions? I'm pissed off. Right. Blah blah blah. Also, kind of seems like to send a message just a little bit to the team. Right. After the Akron game, he was actually very pleasant. Um, and I don't know if that was Kenny Klein getting in his ear, like, "Hey, let's lighten up just a little bit." It, or, it could be, but I, but I, I, I think it was more because he was finally like, "See, this well, is what happens if you don't focus." True. True. So I, I think that's I think a good point. Was, I think he might have been like, "We finally learned our lesson." But even I don't know if they did because, like you said, even after they let Akron come back from you know they're twenty two down. I'm sitting here in my my uh, family's Thanksgiving. You know we're all having some quality family time, and I'm just like sneaking the phone on my lap while we're taking pictures, right. and like and I'm just like like trying not to have like a mental breakdown at family Thanksgiving on Sunday. Yeah, um, I, I but, think that but like, they like, they didn't they didn't even finish out the game strong. So I I don't know. Like like you said, the last play of the game, he I only think he four. was, but I think he was happy because they hit their free throws. And now I think obviously the big if you go big picture, he's not happy because they're probably practicing this a lot in practice. And this was a conversation oh. we had last. Year, yeah. if you're continuing to practice this, and this is what's translating, where again, where is the disconnect? There's a disconnect when it comes to closing a game out somewhere. Yes, I yes. don't know what it is, but there's somewhere and, with and it. They have to find. So there's either not a sense of urgency, like they're almost trying to be like too calm about it, like oh, don't worry, we still got this, or there's panic. Yeah, like, there's right. no, there's no sense of urgency. There's no like we have this control. There's right. no control. No, it's, no. It's like it, it's like unharnessed Darius Perry, and I don't mean that as a shot to Darius Perry, but it's like if 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 there's five players out on the floor who were just Darius Perry, that's what the offense would look like. Meaning yeah, that he's there's got, a little he's bit of a, recklessness, there's a little bit of carefreeness. He's got a lot of Russ Smith freshman year in it. Yeah, and a there's lot. a lot, but at the same time, there's execution side of that too. Like you have a group mm-hmm. who can play, but like that's what they they get into this like just reckless, careless with the ball. And there is my mom used to always tell me this when because when I would play basketball, I I wasn't a guy who did well with a trap. Like when people right. would trap me, you just have this like you tighten up. Mm-hmm. And everything goes out the window rather than just right. kind of collecting yourself, remaining calm. And you can see that in them. Yeah, you can see that in them in the press. Anytime a press comes on, they're like, oh, man, here we go. Like, can y'all mm-hmm. just – can we get to the, like, kids rule where we get up 10 and y'all just back you up? No press. pressing us. <laughs> like, right. Because that's what happens is they get pressed and they start to, to you know, tense up and everybody goes to, looks to Jordan to – can you get us out of this so we can go back to the way we were doing right. things? Right, right. So and, and I mean, here's the thing. The the – the game against on Western Kentucky. I talked a little bit about this earlier. There's a recipe to beat Louisville, and I think that there is a the biggest part of it is having guards who can score. You, you All have to season Louisville struggle with guards. You're gonna have to be able to get like you 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 have to to get be able to get the first step on, and, and this is why UK killed them on this last year, and I think they probably will again this year. You, you're gonna have to be able to push the ball up the floor because if Louisville's defense gets set in their defense, they're pretty good. But you saw Akron; they weren't running offensive sets. Like they just got two guards that were just getting into the lane at will. Yeah. Like Louisville was making a free throw, scoring or whatever. They were obviously maybe a little bit winded or something. They were just getting into the lane at, at, at will. Right. So I I think that you know to to your point that you you beat them by um, shooting the ball well, and you get it. You beat them by you know just kind of basically pressing the issue a little bit. You know, like if you create a sense of urgency. And Louisville isn't matching that, then that's that's how you beat them. 
Right. So I think that there's in this game there's a couple of things to really keep an eye on, and and there, we're going to really learn a lot about Louisville in this game because Western is not very deep. So I think Louisville can overwhelm them with depth, but that means playing guys that might make mistakes, and that mm-hmm. could be crucial for a, you know in a, in a game where a team only goes eight deep. But I think the biggest thing to watch is going to be for Western. They are one of the most efficient scoring teams in the country. They score about eighty five mm-hmm. points a game. They shoot it really well from three and from inside. They get the ball into Charles Bassey, who can score at the rim. He can step out and hit jumpers. He can, you know, he has that hook shot kind of like Enoch. So I think that that's the first thing is how does does Stephen Enoch match up with Bassey? And you have to worry about foul trouble early with Enoch. Of what happens if Enoch picks up two cheap fouls and then, you know, luckily you have Malik Williams, so it's not like you're taking a step down. But then you're compromising your depth with having to play Aiden against Charles, and Charles is going to play the whole game. I mean, just about the whole game. Yeah. Um, And then the other element is you have three. Really good, experienced guards: Tavion Hollingsworth, uh, Cameron Justice, and um, Jared Savage. And Jared Savage from who transferred from Austin P. Mm-hmm. So they've got they've got experienced guards who can score. They can shoot the three oh, yeah. really well. Cameron Justice against uh, against Bollinger, and I think he had like seventeen or twenty points, and he hit like six threes. I mean, he was he was kind of a lot like what we saw with Chanel Banks or Channel Banks from Akron, who mm-hmm. just kept hitting shots every time he got the ball. Yep. Um, and they're going to be able to drive. They're going to they're going to look to get char- you know they're going to want to play kind of that mixed tempo like Louisville will, where they're going to want to get set and get the ball in the Tabassi, but they're also going to want to play quick and take advantage of having those you know those quicker guards. But the size advantage for Louisville, like if you're Jordan and Dwayne, well not Dwayne because these guys are all like Dwayne. They're five Dwaynes essentially in terms of Even, height. But I mean, like they've got they've got one player, two players at six five. One's a wing, one's a big man. Louisville's got a huge advantage of who guards Jordan Warren. Right, and and, and I, I think I believe you're the one who made this point initially. Warriors, I think he could just go off this game. He can because, because you either have a six foot five, slew footed big man guarding you. It's it's going to be like a little bit less talented Dwayne Sutton, basically. Yeah, and and, and Williams is more of a traditional guy, like you would see a little bit with Chris Mack. Like he can put his back to the basket, and he can score right, around the rim, right. but he really isn't going to hurt you a whole he's a lot. Hefty. From, yeah, he's a yeah. he's a bigger guy. Uh, he can still he's really really you know great footwork can score inside can you know can step out and hit jumpers but with with nor with war it's either going to be you have to put savage who is six five and their only you know big guard or you have to go with drew williams or with uh with carson williams and carson williams obviously i don't think either one of them can guard war because no, you know war isn't great with that quick release where he mm-hmm. can just get the ball off you know, at the tip of his shot, and the smaller people have, you know, they have no chance. And you, you get into the issue too of, I mean, how are they going to stop? You have Williamson, Wara, and Sutton. If you have all three of them on the floor at one time, I'm not sure how Western defends that. They, they really would have to, you know, either zone up or you know, kind of some kind of box and one or one three zone, which you know, I don't think that'd be uncharacteristic to see them switch to something kind of exotic to play with Louisville's to play with yeah. Louisville's size. And I, I think that you could see a lot of stuff too, where Louisville goes at Bassey earlier, or they do something to try to take him away from the basket. Yeah. So right. I think I think you could see a lot of uh, Enoch or Williams. Um, and this is where I think that that Williams matches up so well in offense. You know, you could bring Williams out to the perimeter. And you know, kind of run run Jordan on a few plays down near the basket, yeah. and all of a sudden there's just a complete mismatch. Right, and, and if you get, and I think what's going to really set the tone early is them getting the ball into Steve, and if Steve can pick up two fouls on Charles Bassey, it changes the game because oh, Western has yeah. no other big man. No, they don't have. I mean, who, they don't have a backup. Who is, is Williams? So if Bassey goes out, this I would imagine that in? a lot of the, the the time on the floor for them is the two of them playing together, and then you know one of them subs out, one of them stays in, just because I, I don't think that they could probably play a whole lot without both on the floor. They have another kid go, that's six eleven, by the way, but I don't think he's. Yeah, but I mean, if you go and you look playing. at their roster, so just at their minutes per game, they have they have 
you know, their five starters are averaging about – all of them are averaging 28 minutes over. You have Bassey at 28 minutes per game. Um, you've got – I mean, they play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guards. So they have eight guards. Their next big man uh, I think is Matt Horton and Isaiah Cozart. Both I think are Kentucky products. Uh, actually, Matt Horton's from Alabama. He's six foot eleven. He's a senior, and he plays seven minutes. So that kind of gives you an idea of what they think of him being able to play on the floor for long periods of time. And then Isaiah Cozart, I believe, is a freshman. Yeah, from Richmond, Kentucky. He's six foot seven, but again, he's a freshman. He, he averages about four minutes a game. He's not going to play very much. So they're going to have opportunities to, if they can get Charles out, it completely changes the dynamics of the game. Um, and then you know, with Louisville having you know David Johnson, Fresh Kimball. Um, you know, you have all these guards. That's an area where where Western is going to be able to rotate in guards. Right. So you're going to be they're going to be fine taking care of your guards. But you're going to really rely on Jordan, Steve, and Malik to kind of take and own this game, because those guards are going to really you know kind of almost cancel each other out in a sense, unless Ryan gets hot. You right. know, it starts hitting a lot of threes, or somebody steps up and has a big game. Um, I I think this is like you said. I think if Louisville can hit a couple shots early, I think they can really put this game away because yeah. I don't see Western being able to score that many points from behind. Um, unless Louisville no. just goes completely cold. Again, look, I think that it could be very similar to like the, the Akron game. I, I think that Louisville could get up a ton and then at, then you know kind of mentally take a break. And I mean, WKU is one of those teams; they can still score in bunches. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see. But when you have so when you ha- but when you have a big man, not to cut you off, when you have a fine. big man, you really kind you can't really play from behind a lot because. And because you, then you know you're taking longer possessions, getting the ball inside. If you're going inside out, like you're just right. taking more well, time off the clock. You're saying like when when the big when you're big is clearly your best player. Yeah, it's kind of right. like running the football. Like you can be a great running a great running team, but if you get down twenty one to nothing, it makes your game completely different because you can't run run take long possessions. Just yep. like dumping the ball into the big man, you you'll start to see them kind of press, take bad threes, and I think that that's yep. where you want to catch them. So what's your what it, just real quick on this? What's your prediction on does, does Louisville win and step into the number one role, or do you think that they drop this one? No, I mean I, I don't think they're going to lose this game, um, but I'm, they better come ready. That's all. I mean that's all I have to say about Western. I, I, my prediction. Oh man, I, I mean I think they're going to score in the nineties. I do, but I don't think that Western's going to be that far behind. Like I don't think it's going to be a massive blowout. I think that when you see the line come out on Thursday. It's probably going to be something like Western Kins- or Louisville's like a eleven or twelve point favorite. Yeah, I don't see it being much more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Who, I, I would go. Who's your leading scorer and, and what's Wara? Okay. Um, and I I think that I, I'm going to go ninety two to seventy eight. Okay, that's a good. I like that. And score. yourself? I'm going to hang on. I'm actually going to pull up. I did a, a prediction yesterday. Oh, with, yeah, try, with Tristan. Your, Tristan from from you Big have Red a Louis blowout. Down. I do, I do, because the the big prediction that I have in that game, which I need to pull it up here, so I apologize for not being prepared, and I will filibuster until I get there. I've got uh, my big prediction is I think Jordan's going to hit thirty for the first time this season. I just yep. think that he has such a I unique agree. matchup here. I just don't see anybody being able to cover him. I've got Louisville winning this one, eighty nine to sixty seven. Okay, which is not a blowout by any means. I think that you can beat Louisville and hit three threes late that makes the game look completely different, like USC upstate, right, for example, right. where they go up twenty one. To end the game, which and is no only, indication of no, how that game went. No. So, so after talking about that, obviously we roll into the whiteout next week with Michigan, and uh, really kind of out of, I hadn't heard anything anywhere near this. Uh, I, I had heard some mum, some mumblings that there was going to be some kind of player honoring ceremony against Michigan. 
makes tons of sense. Some, some murmurings, maybe. Some, what I say? You said some, some mumblings, which is fine. But Mumber- I think it's both are there, words. Are there people some like m- mumbles, mumblings? I love that. I love that turn of phrase because people, sure. like, what if someone just going around like, there's gonna be a yeah, there's gonna be a Well, a lot of it is digitally mumbling. If you if you catch my drift, okay, yes, a lot of, yes, you know. Chatting, texting, whatever. Yes. Anyways, so, continue. Uh, the, the the thing that came to mind there quickly was, well, half of that team is disbarred or whatever you want to call it. Like right. Louisville fails to recognize them because of the the whole investigation right. with the, with Katina Powell. So like you can't even bring half that team back. And I feel like you know there's a lot of players that don't necessarily. Maybe I'm wrong here, but Shane Bahannon, I don't see him coming back to be celebrated. He was kicked off the team. No. He's had legal issues in the state of Kentucky and the city of Louisville particularly. Right. Like I don't see that happening. I. I, Kevin Ware, I think he really kind of stepped away from Louisville after what happened to him and the injury and being known for that. And then, you know, Peyton plays overseas. You, you know, Russ is obviously a fixture here now, and he's back in, in the United States. Yes, yeah. Um, but so th- this news kind of came out of nowhere. And they announced, Louisville announces that they're going to unveil a new banner in the KFCM Center. You've heard about this by now, recognizing it's three NCAA Final Four most outstanding players. This is a cop out. You think so? I, I would have preferred them just not do anything. Because I get what you're doing here. In a sense, this is all about Luke Hancock, right? So this is all about him well, he's the, beating the, the law. He's the figurehead, right? Right. So he's, he's the, the one that kind of headed this up. They, you know, Not saying he like was involved in any of this planning process, but here's how I see what, what this is. Luke Hancock went MOP. They, they took that away. He went to court. He beat that. That's the like FU NCAA. This is Louisville's weakest attempt of trying to put a middle finger to the this is mm. worse than taking the banner down that they took down. You know, their picture came out of Chris Mack right. at the at the Kluber Center taking a picture, and you see the 2013 banner over his shoulder. Took it down, yeah. And then you see a picture two weeks later, and it's gone. This is worse than that. In my I don't know what happened with that. Because Do you think the NCAA, I, I, they would have out, to, they would have had to have right? said, "You guys got to take that down. That's, right. That can't be up." So, but the thing is, which is, is crazy to me. I understand that that Louisville has no control over how the MOP works and, and who was awarded the awards. But Daryl sure. Griffith and Luke Hancock are already fixtures here. We honor them all the time. We see them at games. They get standing ovations. Mm-hmm. Purvis Ellison is the one that doesn't, you know, he's not around a lot. I think he coaches basketball up in Philadelphia. And he's not going to be back. Yeah. And so my what you're doing here is you're just glorifyingly honoring two players who are honored all the time with a banner when you could just have waited this thing out. Like just wait this out a few more years. Yeah. Wait and see what happens. I think they saw bring the team back. Right, right. Don't I, do this. No one's gonna be there. It's gonna be Russ and Peyton and Steven and Tim Henderson. It's gonna be the guys that are here locally. Always. Yeah. That's what it's gonna be. You're not gonna get Peyton Siva back. You're not gonna get Montrez back. You're not I, gonna I get Gorgie back. You're, you're allowed to get those guys right. back. Right. Gorgie's Gorgie, not gonna come Gorgie back for this game. Come, he could come back, but um, my, I just think this playing. is really lazy. And I think uh, that they're trying to prop it up as like, look at us, we're honoring our team, we're listening to the fans and the fact that we want a banner did you guys want a banner race? This is not honoring the two thousand and thirteen championship. This is honoring Luke Hancock. This is honoring but, him winning award. This is the only thing. Tell me if you disagree with this. This is yeah. the only thing from that night that stands in the record book is him winning this award. No, him hold on. Him and the other the other four guys that okay. played in that game but that are now recognized. My point being that game by record book does not exist. The only thing that exists right. are the player are just, stats, which is kind of funny. One player you're you're celebrating. I get he won the award, but he lives in Louisville. He's here all the time. There's nothing special about this to me. If you really want to, if look, if you really want to get me excited and honor and honor this team, retire Rush Smith's jersey. They can't though. Why not? It's five years. The the period because has according, passed. According to the NCAA, though. No, Russ is still Russ is in good standing with the University of Louisville as, with, as with a career. With but not with the NCAA. According to the NCAA, he scored like 200 points. 
Like, according to the NCAA, he's never been to but, a Final but Four. But the NCAA has no overbearing of whose number you retire. So this is a Louisville decision. Right, Russ Smith right. is a top three player in the history of the Louisville basketball, maybe top five for some of the older folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ was a huge part of that championship. To me, this just feels so lazy. This just feels so, like, forced, and we're trying to, to be cool. And well, I, I think this, this trend is... of F the, the NCAA, this is a weak F the NCAA. This is so weak to me. And I, don't get me wrong, man. I'm so happy for these guys. I love this program. I love that they want to celebrate the team. But this is not this is not the right way to do it. This is not the right way to celebrate that. I think it's a good team. so I think it's a good roundabout way to acknowledge that something happened. So since they made them take down the banner, there's literally been nothing. Like no figurehead for the university has come out and said or or, or acknowledged it at all. Period. Yeah. And like apparently, you know, you know, it's not brought up in the media, like none of that stuff. Like right. it's just not it's basically, you know, we act like we know it happened, but it doesn't exist, which is just such a weird concept to me. That's the and world the re- they're living in. But the reinstatement of, of the accolades and the, the statistics, um, to me, that's still saying, though, that something happened. You know, he, he still the game still happened. Um, you know, the moments still happened. The points were still scored. You know, there's video and pictures and footage and all kinds of different recordings of... of what happened in that game. Right. Um, but again, at the heart so, of this, what are they honoring? The, again, I, I think this is a roundabout way of saying, like, you know, we're still honoring the 2013 team, and Louisville was lucky also that Hancock was named most outstanding player just because, A, like, wh- when do you have a most outstanding player in the in the Final Four that isn't playing professional basketball somewhere and can, is just, like, just still a fixture here? That's kind of weird. Right. And number two, like, he, I mean, Luke was not even close to being the best player on that team. You know, I, I think that, that Gorgie and, and uh, um, Peyton and Russ were infinitely better. Kevin Ware yeah. was an infinitely better athlete. Like, you know, there's a lot bigger storylines. Like, he happened to, you know, play two really good games. But prior to that in that season, he wasn't even start. He didn't even start that game. He's the first player to ever win that award to come right. off the bench. Right. Um. So, my point being, Louisville is, is lucky that it wasn't like Peyton Siva, who I'm not even sure if he's allowed to come back right now. Um, so it, it's I think the opportunity was there. They're playing Michigan um, in a in a home game on primetime TV. Like I, I think that it was, you know, I think it's a good way to honor the fact that something happened, and it's a good foot forward. Like I think it's a good step forward. Um, like you said, I mean, I guess it could be construed as like a cop out. Um, that, that's I, what I, think, I just kind of think it is. That's yeah, and I, I mean, they could have played like the the wait and see game, I guess. Um, but I think that now the time is right to honor that team in some way, um, and then from there, then they can move forward with with the proceedings. You know, like like right. uh, you know, what what team was it that um, there was a team that had their title stripped and then it was given back by the NCAA. Right, I can't remember who it was, and, and that's honestly at some point like the way that the NCAA is structured is not going to exist for forever, and I think that at some point gonna that title is going to be restored. Yeah. And I would have preferred if, like, look, if you want to, if you want to honor this, don't try to make this. If you want to honor them as individuals, that's great. Like, but what you're doing here is you're trying to honor the 2013 championship in a way, in a way that is is blended and well rounded into the other two and the whole program right, as right. a whole. And with the 13 title, I just wish that they would have waited until the investigation pa- investigation passed. They get off probation, mm-hmm. um, 
let a few years pass so the Patino relationship for the city of Louisville can heal and bring back the team in full the best that you can in 10 years and in, in 20 not, years. See, I'm not sure if that's even possible. Like, I, I, I don't know. At some point, know. I just think that at some point there's going to be something along the way that, that is better optically. I just think this is lazy. It's forced. Uh, I'm just not a fan. Now, kudos to them for, like I said, for their marketing ploy with this, for their – them using it against Michigan, like everything just kind of lined up in a in a way that makes sense. Right, I think it just fell into place, and they were like, "This is our opportunity; we should take it's it." It's just, it just and seems it's a new thing. It doesn't. This kind of banner doesn't exist. Like I said, I would have rather them retired Russ's jersey because I think that that would have that would have created more draw. Again, I go back to the fact that these guys live here; they're local guys. We honor them all the time. I mean, we hear Luke's voice yeah. every single week on the radio. And that's not a discredit to him. He won the award, right. and I think that that's a cool recognition that he's going to get and he deserves. But mm-hmm. I just think it in this manner, it's lazy. Man, I don't, I don't I know. I mean, you, you Vince, make it. I'm sorry. You, no, you you make a good. I just want to apologize. Vince. You make a good I point. You. You're still yeah, great. We love Vince, and, and at this time of year, I, I'm very, very much reminded of how thankful I am to have an AD who just gets it. Yeah, and but this just isn't it. Hmm. This ain't it. I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I would like to hear their explanation too. Like, Louisville gave an. I mean, well, they they did the press release. You know, I have all that. I wrote the article. I, I like. I think it's a good way to save face. That's so, all it is. It's yeah. saving face. It's kind. Of, again, there's a trend right now. There's this this national trend of bucking the NCAA and saying no and standing up to them when they come with you know insane you know strategies and and organizations to try to to try to manage and, and govern college basketball. Like, that's mm-hmm. what this is, is trying to get in line with that. Be like, look, we're on the cool train of saying FNCA after all they did to us, but that's not what it is. It's just a, it's, I mean, you, look, it's just you, a banner. You like, make a good point. Um, I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I, I'm not, I'm not offended by it. I think they're, they could have waited and done better things like you said, but I, I think this is maybe in their mind, they, there's a plan. And maybe, you know, eventually this is going to be used. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still plans to once the second, the proceedings of the second uh, investigation in and Louisville's finally off probation, I think there's still a plan for them to go back in and say, you know, here, there's literally proof. Like, how can you acknowledge that this happened? But yeah. The game didn't happen and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. And the other part of, of that, again, is if you, you took the banner down that you put up in your practice facility, like, you know, there's never any speak of that going up. There was never any speak of that going down. Just all of it just kind of culminates to me as being kind of forced. So, anyways, we'll we'll drop it at that. Um, we will send you guys off to your Thanksgiving uh, to to feast on whatever it is that you will feast upon. I hope that uh, everyone has a great time. Stay safe and go Cards. Beat the cats and beat the tops. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken, rabbit, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, beans.